Welcome to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast, where we explore perceptions. How self-reflecting questions can give you a better understanding of self. I'm your host, Sonia Iris Lozada. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Poetic Resurrection. Today, I am honored to have a friend and colleague, actor and transformational coach, Doreen Calderon. Welcome. Well, thank you, Sonia. <laughs> so good to be here. It's funny when you said that we had been friends, I went back to 1998 when we first met. Was it 99? Yeah, for like the Nosotros um, musical review. Yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you guys, she can sing. It's like, I'm like, damn, I wish I had such a soulful voice. <laughs> mm, I used to. And then we did that uh, crazy uh, uh, Filipino musical. And uh, remember Pinoy's in Space? I did that. I Were mean, we I chorus together. I don't know. I mean, well, I'm, you know what? A lot of that is haze. I remember <laughs> doing the review that each of us did a song and I said, I'm the kind of girl that. And then the guy was shaking his butt. He was doing something with his butt on stage. OK, that's a haze to me. It's <laughs> when we did it at the Nosotros Theater, that yeah. little place, that yeah. tiny black box space. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So tell me, I'm really curious because I've known you forever as an actor. We've gone on the same auditions and everything. And people out there, actors are friends, even though you go out for the same roles. <laughs> what is a transformational coach? Well, there's different definitions, but I think the simplest is better. It's one that uh, guides the client through transformation. And what I do, I work with specifically people in the industry because we share the same language mm -hmm. and I work in the industry. So it's something I know really well, but this applies to everyone. So when I'm working with a client, what we find in transformational coaching is that we're not really helping someone get through a situation. We're pointing the way to a new way of thinking that will transform the way they go through life. Ah, okay. So Let's say, to be clear for the audience, I'm an actor, and I go to you, and I say, yeah. okay, I haven't booked anything in a long time. I know that a lot of it has to do with me and what I'm doing, and it's not just a talent thing. I know that sometimes it's just, it's basically an attitude. Yeah. How, what do you say to someone like that? Well, the first thing we like to look at is what is true. Okay. And I think that's a common sort of, uh, not common, but a well-known way of thinking. I think it was Brene Brown. She talks about that, what is true kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing I look at. I'm like, well, well, what's true? I mean, do you have an agent? I might ask. Mm -hmm. And if they say no, we're like, okay, that's something we need to work on, right? That's an obvious. Or if they have everything in order. And let me tell you, Sonia, I specifically work with experienced actors who already have the tools and are asking, what is up? Why am I feeling so? Why am I not moving in my career? Yeah. So we'll look at truths. A lot of them, like you said, is 
attitude, but I, I, I don't use the word attitude. I look at, um, we'll call it a belief system. Okay. What's really scary about our belief systems is that we really think that our belief systems are based on truth. Yes. Well, that's what this whole podcast is about. <laughs> Questioning your belief system. So this is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where the word transform comes in. If I can get a client to look at the same situation in a different way, and I mean in a different way of, oh, it's not about my circumstances. It's about what I think I feel about my circumstances. Yes. That, that's a big one. I was working with a client recently who had worked with me for almost a year. And every three months, her goal was to get an agent, even though she had one real low level agent who really wasn't working for her. Yes. And I finally, it occurred to me as I was helping her with the day-to-day things of getting a new agent, she wasn't getting a new agent. I asked her, I said, are you ready for a new agent and suddenly it blew her mind so it wasn't a question about like are you emotionally ready are you prepared with life it was a question of are you ready for an agent to start calling you for auditions are do you have your home studio set up do you have an agreement with your spouse that when you got to go you got to go do you have that babysitter lined up all of these things. And suddenly she realized, and as soon as all it, it was just that one question that needed to be asked that got her going. She had the studio set up. She had the conversation with her husband. She had a definite game plan. You bet in like a month and a half, she had a new agent. It's amazing. The mindset, right? Because I like, I really wanted to get out more on my auditions because as I've been told by all my agents, it's like, we just got it. You just need more opportunities. You don't go out enough. And then I got a new commercial agent. I guess you have to watch what you ask for because I had 10 auditions in four days and trying to like juggle that with a regular job and the podcast and everything. And I, but I'm like, but at the same time, I was so excited. You know, yes. it was like, oh my God, I've never done in my whole career, I've never had 10 auditions in four days. Yeah. So I needed to say, okay, this is something new for me. I have to get over being overwhelmed and and just really ride on that excitement. It was, I was so joyful to have that, even though at the same time I was overwhelmed because I did not plan. Like you just said, you don't make the plans. I did not plan on that many auditions because it hasn't been my history. So it was new to me. And it was yes. just something else I had to learn. It was a happy learning process, but that's the kind of thing, you know, it's just, I got what I wanted, but I wasn't 100% prepared because that was never been. Well, we're never 100% prepared. That is also another obstacle that we set up for ourselves. We've got to be, everything's got to be perfect before. Do you know how many people I talk to that won't take new headshots until they lose like 10 pounds? Oh, like, no. Screw it. Just 
take the head. Oh, no, no, no. And then, then I got to wait until after my foot surgery. And then I got to wait until after this. And like, I came across a phrase that my coach has been saying a lot recently that I absolutely love. You can have anything you want. You just have to actually want it. And some people want it, but they don't, they don't have the direction. And that's where I find mentoring is so, you know, so necessary yeah. because, really you know, you have a passion for something, but don't have a clue as to how to make that passion happen. We go and do our studying of the, uh, the script and the character, and we got all that done. But now we need to have a, something more than that. But sometimes we just don't know what it is. Well, I want to point to what your example of when you knew you wanted a new agent. You said somewhere in there that we know that we need more opportunities in order to get the work. You created a, a situation where you had more opportunities. And that is to say, you got out of the comfort zone to look for a new agent. Mm -hmm. That is so scary for some people, especially when you already have an agent. Yes. It's too damn comfortable. So yes. you, you said, uh, I really want this. Now I'm at the point where I don't care if I'm uncomfortable, I'm going to go looking for one. And then you got it. And then you were in a situation, 10 auditions in four days. If somebody had said to you, said that to you like two years prior, uh, you know, you could have 10 auditions in four days. You go, you know what? I've been working in this business for 30 years. That's never happened. So blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Now you've experienced it. Now you know what's possible. The problem is we only think what's possible based on our history. Correct. It's limited thinking. There is unlimited possibilities in our lives at our feet every day. The only thing stopping us from seeing them is us. Mm -hmm. It really comes down to that belief system. Right. Yeah. And what is true, right? Do we believe that they're really coming to us? So many people go, no, I'm, you know, I don't, uh, I don't have, I don't have this and I don't have that. And it's really for those people and those people and those people. Let's talk about the pendulum swing of, um, of minorities in the business, people of color. Yeah. So there's a pendulum swing that happened in the last, within the last five years, where there's so many more opportunities of people of color, something that you and I did not grow up with. Nope. Right. But as a young woman of color, I always knew what I wanted to do even in high school. And when my all girls Catholic high school wasn't casting me in leads that I knew I deserved, I saw flyers on the bill on the bulletin boards that said the boys high school is doing a musical and that boys high school, I would take one, two, sometimes three buses in the winter to go for what I wanted. Yeah, I, I didn't limit myself. Well, my school isn't casting me. So life isn't fair. Or my school isn't casting me. So I better suck up to the director or I better do this. No, go find opportunities, create your own. Yeah, you know, and I'm glad you said that because I have always wanted to be like part of a, a you know, like a group or something like that. And then I've been in some of them. And honestly, I'm not a group person. I'm better at <laughs> starting my own stuff. Yep. Being and in your own, being in your own bedroom, doing your podcast by yourself. Exactly. Well, my office, uh, <laughs> um, which is also a bedroom in my home. Yeah, no, I, and you have joy because you have to get it out. You have 
to do it. It's like part of your soul. It's like your soul rots if you don't do it. So to allow a thought to take over and stunt you in that growth is, is terrible, really. And here's a funny thing about thought. People say, oh, just, just let it go. Whatever's bothering you, just let it go. Or just let go to that negative. We cannot let something go that we haven't grabbed onto. What's right? also, yeah, okay. So thoughts come and go. They're, they're right. What do they say? Like 30,000 thoughts come through our head every day. At King's College in Canada said we have 6,500 thoughts a day. And then the National Society or something that's also in Canada said 80% are negative. Well, that's the thing. Here, here's, here's a truth that people don't see on a regular basis, which has built their current belief system, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. The truth is thoughts come and go. Thoughts only linger when we grab onto them. A negative thought will come into my head, will come into everybody's head. We have no control over that. What we do have control over is whether we want to grab onto that or not. Yeah. We're just catching yourself. Catching yourself, I think, because I've done that. I get, I, and then it starts right. I go, what am I doing? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I am oh, doing this to myself. <laughs> it's like there's nobody Listen, here. <laughs> absolutely, we do it to ourselves, one hundred percent. Yep. <laughs> but and that's it's, it, and that's the good news. Yeah, because we can let it go. It is hard to let go of traumatic situations. Ah, um, because well, let's, let's, let's talk about that. Okay. Now, first, let me just say, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give a disclaimer. Let's just put this out there. Traumatic situations. There, the traumatic situation actually happened, right? Mm-hmm. But it's done. It's not happening now. We think it's happening now. Because we have a we have a memory and then we grab onto it. If we think that we have no control over it, all we need to remember is to notice that it's not happening now. Correct. And a traumatic situation actually only it only is traumatic for 90 seconds. 90 seconds after the traumatic situation. Yeah, I've, I've been talking to like therapists and stuff like that. It only lasts that long, but our mind, which is actually a beautiful thing because it's only, it's only thing is to protect us, but it kind of works on hyper, (laughs) hyper uh, energy is like, I got to protect you. I got to protect you. So the thing repeats and repeats and repeats. And me being a survivor of trauma, it is something that if I go into a situation and a situation seems similar to where the trauma happened, you do get a, it comes back. Yeah. Now, I always tell myself, I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm safe. There's nothing happening right now. I am totally safe. And that usually works because at that point, since it was so long ago, the mind says, yeah, you are safe, you know? So it's, it's okay. I reminded you about it. Sorry. (laughs) And it goes on, but it does have the triggers that still are associated with it, but I find that I have to be above it because it's the past. I can't let the past regulate my, my present. 
Right. Well, the good news is also is that we're built. We're built to be in a safe place. That is to say, if we don't trust that we will automatically be, we, we automatically have access to our natural state. We try to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. We don't trust that we, the system is built to protect ourselves. Do you ever go into some kind of a, I don't want to say traumatic. Uh, I'll give an example. I got hit by a car when I was uh, riding my bike in Chicago. And um, people say this all the time in different scenarios. Everything went into slow motion. It when does. He That's the system <laughs> kicking in. We didn't control that. That's the system kicking in to protect ourselves. Slow motion, like, I need to do this. I should probably lean here. Oh, this is going to happen. You know, that's the system and we don't trust it. That's the problem. One, once we experience, like, we'll take a light hearted experience of you having 10 auditions in four days. Once we experience that we can handle anything, we no longer have to believe we can handle anything. Yeah. You know, when that happened, I'm going, Ooh, am I going to get 10 more in the next four days? I, <laughs> no, it doesn't happen like that, but at least now I'm prepared and I'm more than happy to do 10 auditions, you yeah. know? And also what I had to decide because I have a regular job and they go, well, are you going to go on an audition on this day? And I'm like, uh, I will let my agents know that I'm not available at this during this, these hours per week. But if someone gives me a job that I'm going to make, I, I'm going to take it. And I hope they're not listening because. <laughs> right. Well, I, I remember when I was uh, actively seeking uh, day jobs, I just in the back of my mind, I always thought I will never take a job that I can't quit because I will quit the job to take an acting job. That's just it. Right. I'm willing to walk away. There are people who are in day jobs who are not willing to walk away and they think that that's the way it just is. Well, they also might have families because, you know, now it's not about them. It's about their kids. Right. Well, that's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. We can talk about that in general in, well, what is it do they think that they're creating or protecting or, or saving up for, it's usually based, it's usually fear-based, you know, yeah, or yeah. just in case this, and just in case that, and I, you know, we can, we can live life taking precautionary steps without it being about fear. Yeah. I, you know what? I am guilty of that. I had fear because I, I, you know, I've, I've had hard times, so I didn't know how I was going to pay my rent. So you know, the good thing is I have great credit. And so I was able to borrow money to do that. But now when I book a job, it all goes into savings. Because I think the well, part of the issue that we feel that we have lack is because we want to buy things. And when I realized I have more than <laughs> enough, I don't need to buy things. I mean, I might get something here and there, you know, you get food. I have to tell you, Sonia, I've lived my life the absolute opposite way. And it wasn't until recently because people would say, oh, you know, you, you got to cut spending here. You got to cut spending there. I was the queen of not spending 
anything. And it would drive me nuts when people say, you know, don't get that Starbucks. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm lucky if I do get a star Starbucks. You know, that was my frame of thinking. And I realized or discovered because I had never had it put in front of me. I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I didn't have a problem with spending. I wasn't an overspender. I was an under earner. I had ah. never heard of that before. And I also never heard that there were 12 step programs for under earners. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to get on this. <laughs> yeah. and, and, I, and I went to a couple of these meetings and I'm like, oh my God, that's me. That's me. There's more of us. There's more of us. And then I was in it for about two months and I realized, oh no, this, this is not me. This addresses some really valid things. And I loved what I learned. But then I went on to, I, I went on to the coaching that I'm on now. Um, which to me trumps every business of coaching, business of acting coaching that I've ever had. Any you know, twelve step program. I've only I only did the one that I've ever had. It, to me, it just trumps it. Um, the The first thing that it, it taught me was how everything is based on thought. Everything. Yeah. There's a phrase of a from The Simpsons. Homer says. Uh, Beer, the cause of and solution to all of life, all of life's problems. <laughs> and that's what it is with thought. It's the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Mm-hmm. Okay, can I tell you when I first put this into play? Yes. So I went home, that is Chicago, uh, for Thanksgiving. And I gave myself an extra week just to pop in on a casting director or two in town and the agent that I had just signed up with in town. Well, I don't get sick, but I got sick and I kept getting stressful about, oh, my God, oh, my God, I, I'm not going to be able to go out and take the bus and or take a cab or stand or, or walk. What, I'm so sick. I can't go see. This is you know pre-COVID. I can't go see. I can't drop in. I, what am I going to do? And, and I'm going to be wasting time. And I realized, oh, my God, wow, you've made this into a whole dramatic thing. This may <laughs> be true, but you've built yourself up into this dither. Why don't you just surrender? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to surrender myself to healing. And I was relaxed. I was mindful. My body was doing its thing. And then about a day later, I thought, you know what? I'm still going to check in with my, just, just to be good. I'm just going to send an email to my agent saying I'm in town in case there's any auditions. Mm-hmm. He got me an audition like within 24 hours. I'm like, oh man, I can't go. And I looked at the script and it was like half in Spanish and I, I'm, I'm not fluent in Spanish. And I'm like, ah, oh, I can't learn this. And it was for a woman in her sixties. And I'm like, I can't do that. They're never going to cast me. And I'm like, oh, I'm making all of this up. Oh my gosh. So I took one tiny step at a time. Mm-hmm. I confirmed the audition. All right. Let's take a look at the script. It's only a couple of lines in Spanish. I can do that. Yeah. Not a big deal. My niece is going to help me run the lines. And I'll figure out what it takes to get to that audition. And once you make up your mind, mm-hmm. life starts handing you gifts. 
Yep. And then my brother-in-law, who lives in Chicago, said, "Out because because at the time I was staying outside of Chicago, right in Blue Island, and I'm like, I got to take a train. I got to." He said, "I'll pick you up. You can spend the night at our house, and then you know go to your audition." I'm like, "Oh, okay, great." Well, in the morning when I'm ready for the audition, my agent says, "Oh, you got another audition." I'm like, oh, "Okay, I'll go from that one, and I'll go to that one." And then my brother-in-law says, "I'll drive you." I'm like, "What? Oh, okay." So I didn't make any effort to like get this job. I just like, you know, I was going to pop in hopefully to get in to see this casting director, but now I don't have to like, is it okay if I pop in? I'm here for an audition. She's seeing me. It's great. My agent's happy, whatever. So I go to the audition. I leave. I'm having some Irish stew at a pub before I go to the other audition. I don't remember. Um, I get a call from my agent. They said, uh, they want to pin you for this job. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, oh, he said, can you stay another week? I'm like, oh man, my LA agent is going to kill me. And uh, she's going to be upset. What is it? And it's just one day of work. And I don't know if it's going to, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing it again. I'm making up this stuff. So I, I laughed and I said, okay, sure. And then I said, but wait, See if you can get more money. Because you have to, yeah, you have to be there for an extra week. Yeah. Right. And he said, okay. So I let it go, come back to my sister's place and I get a call. They're like, I got good news and bad news. I'm like, all right. Well, not good news, but they said they want to book you, but not for more money. You're booked, but not for more money. The good news is you've got three days booked. Then now they need you for three days. (laughs) right right oh and that's perfect it gets better because on the third day we went into double overtime love those (laughs) now i originally made up a bunch of shit as to how this was never gonna happen Mm -hmm. yeah i did the same thing i had an audition for a commercial and I, the, the casting was not what I look like. Okay. The script was hysterical. I'm like, oh my God, this is so funny. I have to do this. And I played with it so well, even though the breakdown didn't really match what I look like. They put me on hold. And yeah. I, I really thought, oh, this is a shot in the dark. I'm still going to do it because it's so much fun. And I did, I didn't book it because I think that eventually it ended up with me not looking the part, but I had so much fun with it. And I think that's the thing. You have to have fun with it. I got another audition out of the clear blue sky because I don't really do theater that much anymore. This is for a lead in a theater thing. And I had the personality for it. Perfect personality for it. Again, did not look like what they said they wanted. But the script was so freaking good that at first I I did the same thing. Oh, I'm not in equity. I probably have to join equity and I'm going to do all of this, you know, because it was for the Geffen. And I'm like, oh, and I and I'm like, wait a minute. I don't have the job yet. (laughs) I'm making up all this stuff. Yes. But I said, you know what? If I get it, I join. That's it. You know, it wasn't great pay. And I would probably have to leave my day job because I had to think about that, too. 
But I said, you know, it's okay. This is an incredible script. And I was honored. They found me. I, I, I don't look for that. My agent. Can I say something about you, you, you and many other actors have said in my presence. And then this audition came out of nowhere. No, it didn't come out of nowhere. It came out of the universe who is answering the energy we're putting out. Okay, that I, I definitely love that idea. Yes, it's true. It is the energy. Because I notice when I change my energy, things start coming. And I'm also taught myself to be open to whatever comes because sometimes we say, I only want to do TV, or mm -hmm. I only want to do film. And then you pigeonhole yourself. To me, practicing gratitude for every little single thing I have has opened doors for me. And that was, you know, and sometimes you think, what do I have to be grateful for? I've worked my whole <laughs> my life off for this, this, and that, and I haven't gotten anywhere. Be grateful you're alive. Be grateful you have a roof over your head. Be grateful every opportunity you get. Because when you're grateful to be in front of a casting office, they can feel your energy. They can feel like you're just excited to be there and you're happy to be there. And that lightens their mood as well because they know that you're just happy to be there. And I gratitude helped me with that. I was um, reading Facebook as I do. And I'm in, a, I'm in a lot of different actor groups. Really, I'm in there to see if I can help anyone mm -hmm. because there's a lot of misinformation. Yes. So I like to see if I can help anyone. And I came across one where this one young woman who I've seen for like the last four years was she's targeting a specific franchise. She's targeting a specific role that she wants in this franchise for four years. <laughs> Four years. Well, if I hold down tight enough, then it'll happen. No, the, the tighter you hold down, and the more you strangle it. I, look, I don't know her work history, but I'm 90% sure she hasn't gotten more than one paying job in those four years. Because it works the other way where we close it, like you said, pigeonhole, close ourselves off. But this is my dream. But this is my dream. Is your dream a situation or is your dream to share your gift of storytelling as an actor. That's mine. Me, mine too. I just, yeah. I, I, you know, I just love doing it. When I get on a set, it's like, woohoo, I'm here. I'm having, you know, I get to talk to other actors and meet the crew and talk to direct. To me, that's exciting. I love being on a set. I used to get heartbroken because I couldn't get on the set because I didn't get the job. And so that I created this vicious cycle of not booking. And I actually was going to give up acting. There's an episode I did here. No, actually, I did it. Yeah, I did it here. And I talked about letting go. And it was very hard to let go of a career you invested 30 years into. And so I said, you know what, I haven't booked anything in five years. This is it. I'll just let it go. And if it comes, I'll take it. You know, I'm, but I had to let go of thinking that this was going to be the only career I would have. And yeah. it's not the only career I'm going to have, you know, it's that closed off to just, even though I didn't say it, I, I was happy with getting commercials, TV, it didn't matter what. Well, let me, let me talk about like when, when the letting go, I like to use the word surrender because surrender, I, I see it as an opening up as well to other opportunities. We, as actors, 
mm-hmm. as artists, yes. writers, directors, have a problem when we identify ourselves with our profession. I worked on this for 30 years. I can I give it up now? Right. That's you can, not yes. Who we are. That's yeah. not who we are. It's what we do. Right. I started my business, the recognized actor, as a postcard making business. I realized actors didn't know how to use the postcards, so I turned it into a, a marketing business. And then I realized actors didn't know how to brand themselves. It was like a marketing branding. And then I realized, oh, this is all about, and this I think comes back to the subject of what we wanted to talk about, is is understanding who we are. Understanding who we are is not what we do. Understanding who we are in context of the industry. Understanding who we are. Here's what we're conditioned to believe, that who we are is an accumulation of all of our preferences. Okay. Isn't that bizarre? I'm a person who likes uh, cats. Well, I'm a dog person. Well, that's not who you are. That's a preference. Yes. <laughs> I, I actually, there was someone and I forgot who it was. It was a celebrity, but I think that I think they were an actor and someone like the Dalai Lama or someone big like that. I don't think it was actually him said, who are you? And then I'm an actor. I'm the, no, no, no. Who are you? (laughs) And he kept asking, who are you? Who are you? And then they finally went, oh, and they, then they got it, but they had to be asked over and over again, who are you? Yeah. Yeah. And that again is, is the belief system. If we, we live in a Christian country, bottom line, where uh, this monotheistic uh, Judeo-Christian country believes that a God is something outside of ourselves that gives us peace or punishment. And once we realize that the joke's on us, mm-hmm. we're God. Yeah. It's like, what then who's going to protect me and who's going to. And also some people think that's blasphemous. In our most quietest times, when we're sitting in a field, when we have no social media, when we're breathing in all of the sense of nature and hear the slightest little sound that the wind doesn't make, but is a reaction when the wind touches something, we touch who we really are. And even if you're not out in that field, because that's a beautiful vision, meditation can take you there too. And both, both scenarios, let, let, let's go, let, let, it's the circles, both scenarios, meditation, going out into nature, whatever your thing is, yoga, whatever, it all comes down to stop thinking. Yeah. It puts you in that zone, like in touch with something beyond you that is actually you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're, some people call it the higher self or whatever, but you know, it's within our soul. Our soul knows exactly what to do. We just have too much garbage. I have a a quote, the mind screams, but the soul whispers. So you have to quiet that enough to let, because you know what, when I can 
sometimes your mind and your heart do it, you know, you get confusion because your heart is saying one thing and your mind is saying another. And even if your heart is saying one thing that doesn't make any sense, I usually go with that because it's usually right. Yeah. You know, the, I have been saved so many times with going for what I was listening to myself, even though I said, well, I'm going to probably really lose this, you know? And I said, but I have to let it go. You know, sometimes letting go is winning. It winning for you, for your soul and for your, who you are. Well, that's another thing. I mean, let's get to the truth of what winning is. Having what does that mean? Yeah. Well, uh, to me, winning is really simple for me. Winning is just having something that brings me joy. If it brings me joy, then that's a win for me. Yeah. 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 Same thing with uh, if we if we define success, I was just reminded this morning about too often people strive for success because they're afraid of what they are without that status or whatever that is. Like, wow, that blows my mind. We're actually afraid of who we are. So we we have to become something. Or we think that something is going to complete our lives and it doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, when I grew up poor in Chicago and I wanted everything, I wanted a mansion and fancy cars and a family and all this other kind of stuff. And I said, you know what? I want in my 20s. I was like a total yuppie. I was director of administration. I made a shitload of money. I was able to travel. I went to fancy restaurants. I still was unhappy. And I said, you know, I could take a job that's less stressful make less money and be happy. I mean, I didn't like the less money part, but the amount of hours I was putting into that job really took away what the actual salary was. Yeah. I was living at that job. I didn't want to do that, but it didn't, it did give me the opportunity to be able to pay for studio time. Cause before you people, Unless you were wealthy, you didn't have a, a studio in the house, you know, uh, everything was you had to go to a studio to do recordings and all of this. And I had to pay for the musicians for my recordings. So that job did pay for that. And it was a great experience. But I, I never wanted a job like that again. Yeah, I learned a good lesson. Yeah. And I was the opposite where I was afraid to take any job like that because what if, what if, what if, yeah. what I, if. Was, <laughs> I was developing my, my acting career in Chicago and did really well. And people got to know me pretty well, but I lived with this limiting idea of how much money I could actually earn. Yes. Oh God. I wish I could. I wish I could talk to that girl then, but you know, that's another thing we talk about. Oh, I wish I knew then what I know now. And why am I learning this so late in life? you know, timing, whatever. Yeah. And it really is. Cause when I started acting, I was told I'm too Latin looking to ever really work. And I'm wow. like, really? And they go, yeah, because you know, there's only a couple of well-known Spanish actors and they get all the roles. <laughs> so you're not going to get anything. I mean, I was literally told this. And then when the Latin thing got popular, I did quotes people you know, listening. Um, then I wasn't Latin looking enough. Right. <laughs> I like, really? Oh, I I was, yeah, I once went in an audition. And 
I'm hearing everybody go in there and they did the total opposite of what I, I, what I studied. And I was kind of annoyed because <laughs> they think that because you're Latin, you're going to lose your temper or you're going to lose it and you're going to go hysterical crying. And I went in there and I asked them, she's from a wealthy family. Yes. Her husband just got killed. Yes. So she's the matriarch and he was the patriarch. And they go, yes. They're not going to go crazy like that, throwing themselves on the floor, screaming. And because now you have to take over for the family. You know, I've seen that in, in all kinds of roles. It's not just, you know, the Latin stereotype, you know, it's like, um, it's almost any ethnic stereotype. <laughs> it really is. I know. And it's funny because it's true. Uh, there's part of it. That's true. They, they, these ideas that we have of what, because of what somebody told us and that then we cling on to them. But I have to say too, I, you know, the pendulum has swung where more opportunities for BIPOC actors are there. And unfortunately, a lot of my white friends are like, there's nothing out there for me. I can't get anything or, or people I know who have worked for many, many years and suddenly they feel that they can't do anything. I don't want to say, welcome to my world, which is tempting, yeah. but I do want to say, look, the first 20 years of my career, I didn't even get the opportunity to audition for things that I'm auditioning for because somebody with my face just didn't do that fill in the blank role. Mm -hmm. It all went to white people and sometimes black people. But the in-between was like, mm, no. But I never let that stop me. I never let, you know, get, get resentful about like, well, they get all the roles because they're white. Not for a second. No, what? I never thought no. that way either. Not yeah. for a second. I would always just go, okay, not there. Where? Not there. Where? Where? Looking, 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 looking. And I would always find something. That's where theater was so exciting for me. That's why I loved improv so much because it wasn't even about a role. It was about, I could be anything. I could be a man. I could be a woman. I could be a different color, a different race, a different ethnicity. I loved it. Yeah, I to me, acting has always been to be able to play something I'm not. How exciting is that to live in someone else's you know, shoes? And also when it comes to, oh, there's nothing out there. Yeah, there's a ton of work out there. I find that people think that if you get the role, they're not going to get it. Right. That's that weird. just means you get <laughs> another role somewhere else. It doesn't matter. You know, I knew I worked with a producer and it was a small theater production and this guy came in and he was perfect for he looked like you know the guy that the wife would cheat on uh -huh. but they switched it around they took the handsome guy and made it his wife cheated on him with this like mechanic looking guy you know not a good looking guy right just average looking i would say not a handsome guy that you would think that that would happen All right played the part incredibly so even if you and he went he wanted that role but he did it amazing he he changed the mind of the casting people yeah because it was and that's what you have to do you have to go in and because somebody gets it doesn't mean that you're not you got to get away from that mindset of like if you know there's everything is finite yeah. life 
your life might be finite, but opportunities are infinite. You just have to know how to create them. Yeah. Well, that's another that, that you know, yes, create. I might have used that term earlier, but to to see them, the opportunities are there. We just have so much noise going on in our heads of old belief systems, what people have said to us, what we've read in the trades, that we're not looking at real opportunities. I, I love telling the story because it's recent and it's true. Mm-hmm. About three years ago, I hooked up with a manager. I had no intention of getting a manager. Came my way. She loved me. She said, I've got nobody, none of my clients in your category. I really want to work with you. I'm like, okay, she loves me. That, 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 that's, <laughs> that's a good thing, right? <laughs> And I said to her, she's like, what do you want? What do you want to do? And I said, you know, my agent is great. They send me out for a lot of TV stuff, but I'd really like to do film. And she said, okay, you got it. You got it. So the first thing she sends me out for is this audition for this short film. And I, in my head, I'm like, oh, I should have told her I wanted to do feature film. I don't need to do another short film. And then I thought, you know, this is a business. How about if I just nurture our relationship? This is the first audition she's gotten for me. I will go. And as we do, we show up, we give 100% or more. And I book the job. And I'm like, all right, I, I got another, that, that's good. I'm sure she's happy, you know. Yeah. It's, but it's like, you know, it's no money. They're, they're, you know, it was like 100 bucks. Then it would, the, the weekend we were shooting was a weekend I had something else planned and I had to leave that other thing early and I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta go do this short film, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cut to two and a half years later and that short film is nominated for an Academy Award this year. Yeah. You can't plan this stuff. No, you can't. But did I take the job because I thought, well, this could win an Academy Award. No, or this could be a big <laughs> film, right? This could be a big festival winner. No, I did it. First of all, I loved the audition. The director had us play. She had us improvise. I was just like you said. We don't. We love what we do. The audition in itself sometimes is is fulfilling. Yes, I had a good time. I didn't do it to get a short film on my credit. I was fine, but you never. You just never can plan things. Also, don't make anything a means to an end. Well, you know, I should I should do stand up because that's what people want in sitcoms. No, no, they want the established stand ups who've been on the road for 10 years or more who know what the hell they're doing to be these title roles. They don't want an actor to go take a stand up class. (laughs) Don't make a means to an end. Yeah, Yeah, it's totally true because you never know where it's going to take you. I mean, I've done the same thing. I've done like certain roles that I just said, well, yeah, I'm helping out a friend. You know, I'm just doing it for that. I really didn't want to do it, but it's a friend and I want to be supportive of my friend. So I did it. I met so many people that, I mean, casting people there. I'm like, really? I wasn't expecting that. I was doing a favor for a friend because, you know, I find that many of us have projects we would really like to do. And it's just trying to get the help. Uh, you know, and asking and all that kind of stuff. So we are getting to the end of our uh, podcast. Yes. Uh, You have been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And what would you like? How can people reach you and tell us a little bit more about the recognized actor? Yeah, well, the recognized actor, I, I mainly do coaching. I do group coaching, which are essentially 
goal setting groups mm-hmm. with a twist. It's a lot of what I've spoken about here. There's individual coaching that goes on within the group. Uh, I also have individual coaching one-on-one. I give a free 20-minute consult to anyone I've never worked with before. And you can find that on my website, therecognizedactor.com. It pops up as my email, dcdesign8.com. So don't think it's going off to a weird place. I also on my uh, Facebook page, The Recognized Actor, there's a pop-up for this free 20-minute consult to see if you want to work with me. And maybe we can solve all your problems in 20 minutes and I won't charge you, right? I have private coaching where we have like six session packages where you're working with me because this type of transformation, it can happen in an instant and it can happen over time. But anything that we've opened up our eyes to, we know that as long as we keep in the conversation, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So they can reach me on Facebook, The Recognized Actor. They can reach me on Instagram, the.recognized.actor. Also, you can find me, Doreen Calderon, anywhere. You can Google me, IMDb. I've got Facebook. I've got Instagram. You can get in touch with me. And let me tell you, she's wonderful. So give it a shot. You get 20 can minutes. I, can, I give my, uh, can I give my tagline? I forgot. Give your tagline. <laughs> okay. Quit thinking so much. Just show up and play. And there you go. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was informative. And I think the audience is really going to learn a lot from it. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast, available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, and many other podcast platforms. Please visit us and subscribe to our newsletter at PoeticResurrection.com for the latest information and updates.